1: In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It is always game day in Cleveland. It's a happy game day in Cleveland behind us here at Cleveland Browns Stadium. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. It's always game day in Cleveland brought to you locally by our friends at Smiley One and Bryant, Northeast Ohio's heating and cooling experts. They won, Daryl.
0: They won. That's all that matters. They got three more points than the Steelers did, and it it wasn't pretty, but it was effective. Um, And hats off to DTR, who, let's be honest about it, wasn't great, but when the game was on the line and it mattered most, four for four for 39 yards on that final drive to move them quickly into field goal range. And Dustin Hopkins did what Dustin Hopkins has done often this season, and that is he walked the Browns off uh, with their seventh victory of the season.
1: Best acquisition of the offseason for Andrew Berry, wasn't it? Potentially, yeah. I mean, I don't know how you can uh, – coming up to this one, it might be one of the biggest and best in the NFL. I, I mean, I hate, to say, I, I hate to say that about a kicker, but I can't remember – well, Phil Dawson, I can remember when you felt like the guy was going to go out there and make a kick, and that's exactly what he did today on that 34-yarder. He was like ice. I was standing off – I was on the field at the end of the game, and I was watching him, and I was just like, man, this guy is bothered by nothing, yeah. nothing yeah and and talked to him after the
0: game and he said he realized that (laughs) as he's finding out here kicking into the west end a little easier than kicking into the dog pound Hmm. and so he admitted they had two separate calculations as far as the comfort level was with the distance going into the dog pound versus going uh into the west end zone he said obviously going west we fell about kicking a little longer than we did going toward the east Hmm. and uh, i told him so. we you're gonna get used to that here in Cleveland because that's just the way this stadium operates. But yeah, ice water in his veins. Um and uh, you know, 34 yarder fans think of that as a, a chip shot. I mean, now it's an extra point, right? But um I I get he credited Kevin Stefanski and the offense with not taking the foot off the gas once they got in to field goal range. He even said a lot of offenses once they get into field goal range, they take they just They check out and then turn it over uh, to uh, the special teams unit to kick the field goal. He said, I like the fact that they kept going and, uh, you know, obviously made it a much easier kick uh, on him. But the bottom line here, Andy, is uh, they won the football game. They split with the Steelers for the fifth time in the last six years. Uh, they should have won, obviously, in Pittsburgh. That's a that's a backbreaker. But they didn't make critical play or uh, critical errors, I should say, down the stretch. It was interesting. I was, I was talking to a Browns official coming up in the elevator, and he uh, <laughs> did he did what you did. to open the pocket, Whew! And I said, yeah, you know, when the Steelers got the ball with a buck forty one left, all I was thinking is, I know how this movie is going to end. Like, because we had seen it so many times with Pittsburgh and what they, uh, the abuse that they dish out uh, to the Cleveland Browns. And he said, Well, this year's team's different, isn't it? And I go, Yeah, it really is. Because you look at these games that they're winning late and in critical moments, you go, You know, San Francisco, I, you know, they get the luck of the the win there, but Indianapolis, that game. uh, You talk about, uh, you know, uh, a couple of these other games, you know, Baltimore where they just they're, they're they're tight games and they're finding ways to win as opposed to years past where they would just find ways to give games away.
1: I thought there was an interesting point that was made and I heard Kevin Stefanski, I think it was talking about it in the pregame show. And you know, you talked about this being a movie, the prequel to the last two weeks may have been the Seattle Seahawks loss because the defense didn't like the way that felt at the end. Yeah. They felt like that loss was on them. And if you go back and look at the last two weeks, the defense in the fourth quarter, last drive, when they had to have it, they've had it. It's almost as good as having a quarterback saying, here's the ball at the 25, and let's drive the ball down the field. That defense learned something in that Seattle game. There's no doubt about it. And these last two weeks, they've really proved it. Like you said, in the past, we would have seen Pittsburgh march down the field. Not anymore. This defense is different.
0: This defense is for real. And unfortunately, they lost two more pieces uh during the game. Anthony Walker suffered a hamstring injury.
1: Uh um, how severe? What do we think?
0: Well, uh, you know, you we'll, guess you know, no, no. I'm not gonna get I don't guess on injuries. Uh it, it we'll get the updates tomorrow, hopefully. Right. Uh and then Rodney McLeod yeah, uh with, with the bicep injury, and you always worry about bicep injuries. So um, but you know, the, the mood in the locker room from the defensive players was exactly what you described that hey. You know, we focus on the job that we have to do. They knew they had to be very, very physical against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That they had to play for 60 minutes. There was no taking the foot off the gas, or you know, taking plays off, or taking a moment to catch your breath. And think you you cannot do that uh, against the Steelers. And all oh, the defense kept the Steelers' streak alive of being outgained in every single game this season. But the Browns handed the Steelers their first loss of the season in one score games they are now six and one in said football games as they fall to six and four and the browns give themselves a little bit of a well, breathing room I,
1: and i think this is the sixth or seventh time the Browns have been in a less than four point game yeah i, I mean, mean I, that it's just it keep, i know we want to keep i think there are old timers like me that want to keep calling these cardiac kids 2.0 but i i mean they've just figured out a way to handle things in the fourth quarter. They oh, definitely make I, you yeah.
0: breathe into the paper bag well, in that's the right second though. half of games, there's, man. There's nothing that's wrong not with really
1: it. that. That's entertaining. If you although the game, wasn't entertaining. Let's be honest. It
0: was a painful game <clears> to <throat> watch. You know, to your point, it, it really was. I mean, there were times where I was joking that this was setting the, the sport of football back decades with the, the way these offenses were struggling. Look, we knew what to expect with Absolutely. Pittsburgh, right? Yep. Um, we knew their offense was not going to come in here and light up the scoreboard. And, uh, you know, and so I think that from DTR's perspective um, and looking what his, at what his responsibility for this game was going to be, Andy, he didn't have to do much. Just don't make critical mistakes. Unfortunately, he had the only turnover of the game with that interception
1: late yeah, in the third it was squad. a plurkey one, though. But, but, yeah, I agree. Hey,
0: interceptions are interceptions. You know, the, the old tip drill worked in the Steelers' favor there. But the defense came right back. Taki Taki made a big play. And quick three and out, no damage done. Uh, Steelers went ahead and shanked a punt 25 yards. We're going to forget that Corey has also shanked a punt. The yeah,
1: game. but Corey has kept this game out he of reach did. a little bit early on in the game, too. I mean, he was booting 60 yarders.
0: Yeah, yeah. He, he he really did help them win the field position battle for most of this game. But, uh, you know, that turnover only cost them about 10 yards because when they got the ball back, instead of having a 35, I think they had like the 45 or something like that. So, um all's well that ends well there. But I just, the uh, you know, uh, the way that they respond to adversity is is unique this year because this is not something we're used to seeing Browns teams. You know, usually once, once one thing goes bad for them, it tends to snowball. And it just, you know. Well, that's how it felt like with Nick
1: Chubb in the beginning of the season, right? right? It felt like everything was going to go downhill. I want to walk backwards through this game. For a little bit. <laughs> and we'll do it. We're going to be on for three segments of the show, too, by the way. Um, we're not going to do a little bit more than our normal post game podcast. So let's walk it back because I was in a room full of people when the Browns decided they were going to run the ball with 20 seconds to go. And then
0: I had a heart attack when they did. Yeah,
1: that. there were a lot of people. But at the end of the day, I think that's Kevin Stefanski learning. He was not going to leave any time on that clock for the Steelers.
0: Well, I, in my head, my twisted sense of thinking was that they were going to accept the off the offsides penalty of the Steelers, take the five yards, kick it again and make it and leave no time on the clock. And then I was like, yeah, that's a pretty stupid idea. And that is why I am not a head coach, because you take those points. Uh, and the, the only thing different I would have done at the end of the game there is I would have squib kicked it off a Steeler to because once it touches a player, that clock runs this way. Pittsburgh couldn't even put their offense on the field to try and, uh, you know, uh, right. attempt at anything at the end. But, um, yeah, he did a great job bleeding that clock. and it, it, as uh, Dustin Hopkins said after the game, they didn't take their foot off the gas when they got into field goal range. They were able to churn out more yards. big run there by Kareem hunt uh, on a, after those four completions right. and they got into range. And then what does Kareem Hunt do? He rips off a couple more yards. and and really sets things up uh, nicely. So um, when it mattered most, the offense executed. Uh, The defense, I thought, from start to finish was phenomenal. And, of course, we'll get into, uh, you know, some things that did not go the Browns way that probably should have or maybe not after uh, doing these Zapruder pausing
1: of certain replays to figure out yeah, if they got the
0: calls right or not.
1: Interesting. All right, so we'll come back. We'll talk also about what they said in the locker room after the game. It's always game day in Cleveland, the post-game edition. Browns beat the Steelers 13-10 to on a Dustin Hopkins game-winning field goal. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. We are brought to you locally by... Smiley one and Bryant, Northeast Ohio's premier heating and cooling systems. All right, so we walked through a little bit of the game early on. I think it's interesting the way that Kevin Stefanski called the game. He was not going to make or let Dorian Thompson Robinson make a mistake as far as throwing interception. He did open up the offense, though, and open it up down the middle late in the game on that final two-minute drive. And, you know, when DTR had to be ready, he was, and he executed, on that final drive. I was very impressive and it makes you wonder how much more the playbook will open up for him on his next start.
0: Well, he showed confidence in DTR. No question about that. Uh, 29 runs to 43 passes called. Um, I was expecting it to be the other way. I was expecting the 43. They were all high, majority. of passes. Those were high percentage plays. Yeah. Though. I mean, there was no, yeah. Um, I mean, now uh, it got to a point in the game. I was wondering if they were going to actually be able to ex- execute a screen pass t- uh, on Sunday. Uh, but, um yeah i mean they went with real high percentage throws he threw it down the field a couple of times and a couple of times he did throw it you're like ooh i don't know if you want to be doing that right i mean right. there were there were a couple of close calls uh, on those throws but you know it was interesting uh talking to a couple guys in the locker room just about what a confidence booster this game is right because let's be honest about it dtr before uh that 4 for 4 for 39 he was 20 at 39 for a buck 26 the numbers weren't that great, but uh, again, made the plays where it mattered most. And so I was asking guys, you know, hey, what kind of a confidence booster can it be for that kid? And there's video going on, uh, going around. Uh, I know the Browns put it up. DTR kind of broke down a little bit, you know, a- after winning that game, you could see him wiping tears away from his eyes because, uh, you know, he was so overcome with emotion. Not only is it, psycho- is it psychologically beneficial for him, but I think this football team, believe that, okay, this kid can help us. You know what I'm saying? Because you lose your franchise quarterback, uh, that usually is a pretty big body blow. And just ask the New York Jets and, and other teams that this uh, is Cincinnati happening. going in next week. Right. And it usually kind of sucks the wind out of your sails. And the fact that he was able to lead a game-winning drive against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who give this team fits, um, I, I think is a shot in the arm, not only for DTR, showing him that he can do this at this level, but I think it's a shot in the arm for everybody else on the team that says, hey, kid's going to be okay. Wasn't great, not, you know, but improved from the debut. And, you know, as Miles Garrett said after the game, once things open up for him, once he gets used to the speed of the game and, and the plays and all that, because, you know, a little bit of a running joke, uh, they had to tell him to quiet down in the huddle. <laughs> he m- Remember the scene from the replacement? Yeah. Hey, sh- Shane, they're going to hear you. You know, um, well, they had to tell him to, to kind of calm down a little bit. So Steelers can't hear the play calls because he was projecting so much in the huddle. Right. And he was, you know, that excited. But um, yeah, I kind of feel like this is a, a pretty important psychological boost for this football team, because it's not to say that they don't believe in DTR. That's not what I'm getting at. It's just the fact that this kid, after the debut he had, The numbers he was putting up, right? He's completing 50% of his passes. He's barely over 125 yards. And then, bang, game on the line. He is perfect. Four for four, 39, blink of an eye. They go from the 35, they're in field goal range, you know, ready to to put this thing away. I think that that just tells them we're going to be fine.
1: It was interesting earlier this week, too, especially when we found out that Sean Watson uh, was out for the rest of the season. There were a lot of people that thought, um, this could be it. This was the end of the season that they really had no quarterback. They felt like they had nowhere to go. And in the back of my mind, I kept saying, Well, they played half the season without, without Deshaun Watson, yeah. and they played them the entire season without Nick Chubb. It so it
0: felt as bad. I'll be honest with you, it felt as bad as after the first dealers' game when they lost Nick Chubb because Nick was such an integral part of what they did. And let's not underestimate him being in this building for this football game. And not only getting – Miles joked, you know, why'd they have to introduce him after me? And then he said, you know, obviously he deserves that and, and, and whatnot. But, you know, and then in the fourth quarter, about seven minutes to play, they flashed Nick up who was sitting in the suite. They put him on the scoreboard, and, the, and the, and the, and the you know, this, this place exploded. And that's you – know, I, I, you know, kudos to the Browns fans that were in – because th- this building was rocking. And they made the Steelers blow a couple of timeouts in both halves – and made it real difficult on Pittsburgh to communicate and things like that. Just one of the few times in the post nineteen ninety nine expansion era here where you really felt like the Cleveland Browns had a home field advantage in their own building, and they had that for this game.
1: It was interesting at the end of the game again being on the field watching the disappointment on Steelers fans that were in the house. <laughs> oh, I, was just, I those, just, I mean, I just—it's been so long. When there's you've a
0: seen photo on, on that is circulating. Of a Steeler fan with the terrible crying towel draped ooh. over his head and his hands are in his face. It is uh you know, because the, the Browns had already patented the, the Browns fans had already patented the paper bag, yeah. Over yeah. the
1: over the face, I right think the Saints
0: the really started that first, but that's
1: okay. Didn't why they? why do we have to go there? Because that's your team. Baby. I know, I that's know it's the eights. Kenny Pickett, though, has got it. I mean, Steeler yeah. fans are probably going crazy right now. 15 yeah, to 28. Was, ooh. 106, and the other part of that too is that the Browns have now beat every team in the AFC North this year. Well, yeah, they they have, and uh, they they are uh, three and two right now. They'll finish
0: the season against the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, obviously being the situation that the Bengals find themselves in as we speak right now. Feel pretty good about that game, right? right? uh But there's a lot of football that has to be played before we can even get to think about that. But they are firmly now in second place. They are seven and three. They are now in a driver's seat to make the playoffs as they go west for two games. They, of course, next week they're in Denver. Then they will, from Denver, fly to Los Angeles and spend the week uh, in L.A. They'll work out at UCLA and practice there uh, for that week before they uh, play the Rams and then, you know, come back home. So big, big West Coast swing coming up. But they've won three in a row right now. And they are starting to get hot at the right time. What do you think of the Browns'
1: offensive line today?
0: I I thought that uh, they did a fairly good job. I mean, thank goodness that uh, Dewan Jones was back. They needed him back. Uh, and then you look at the run production. You know, Jerome Ford barely getting over the goal line. Talked to him in the locker room. He said, I thought I was pretty sure that I was in. I was pretty confident. But when you watch that replay – that ball
1: barely crossed. Yeah, but you the know what? I mean, line. if you look at that and compare that to the safety that probably right. should have been called to start the game, I mean there's a little bit of karma there, isn't there?
0: Yeah, there is. Now, I went ahead and I did I tried to do a frame by frame on that safety. Okay. Cause I because in it was
1: a stuff, you promised.
0: Well, in full speed, it looked to me like it should be a safety. And Miles Garrett said after the game, the first two plays of the game probably should have been safeties. And he's got a legitimate argument. But um Watching a frame by frame, the rule is it's where the ball is when the contact occurs, not where the player ends up or is driven back to. And so Miles Garrett hit picket right at the goal line. And I don't, I can't, you can't. But it's
1: all about the plane, right? It's the same as when you're going in, it's the same as
0: going out. All it is, is if any part of that football is across that plane as he's being hit, that's a safety. And that's the biggest question because from up high, it looks like it's a safety. But then when you freeze that where Garrett hits him initially, like there is a plausible chance that that ball is one inch outside of that goal line. But the angle is such that you can't tell. I, again, I thought it was a safety. I thought the Browns got jobbed on that call. It should have been two nothing right out of the gate. Um, And Shouldn't have even had, to, they should have won this game 12 to 10. We shouldn't have needed Dustin Hopkins there uh, at the end. But, um, you know, Miles Garrett showing up big in, in a big spot. The defensive line all day showing up uh, in big spots. You know, uh, Miles Garrett outplayed T.J. Watt today. I, I, I'm trying to remember in my head if I heard T.J. Watt's name called today, and I don't. He did not sack Dorian Thompson. Robinson. No, I don't remember it Miles Garrett got two sacks. He's up to now 13, 13. for the season. And I believe he's, uh, as we record this podcast, I believe he leads the NFL right now. And the question now becomes, what is not, forget defensive player of the year. If the Browns keep winning, could he jump into the MVP conversation?
1: He talked about that earlier this week, too. Let's talk about that when we come back. Also um, – More quarterback talk and DTR what's next and quarterback the Browns could be bringing in tomorrow on Monday. It's always game day in Cleveland, the post game edition. It is always game day in Cleveland. It is the post game edition as the Browns beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 13 to 10 to move into sole position of second place. In the AFC North, he's Darrell Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. We are brought to you by Bryant and Smiley One, Northeast Ohio's leaders when it comes to air conditioning and heating. All right, there was a story that kind of popped before the game. I, I'll let you give credit where credit is due because I know I think I read it where it came out first, but I'm not sure. Joe Flacco was in Cleveland on Friday. Yes, and it appears that he will ink a deal with the Browns tomorrow after we take.
0: Yeah, this. I mean that, that's what it's uh, looking like, and um they need him Let, let's be honest about it. they they need him or somebody right uh to put on the practice squad is he uh, practice
1: squad or do you carry
0: three i i i i would put him on the practice squad to start just to give him time to get his feet wet and sure. learn the you know give him a crash course in this offense or whatever but um again in my head i'm thinking if they sign joe flacco we're probably going to see him at some point, because that's how this always goes with the Browns. But hang on, but now as this season is going and the Browns are winning these games that they normally lose, I'm like, now nah, that th- that movie script no longer applies. I- I'm I- I'm thinking, even though yeah, they lost Nick Chubb, they lost the uh, uh, Deshaun Watson, they've lost a couple other guys, but I'm, I'm like, nah, th- this, th- whatever you throw at these guys, they just seem to find a
1: way. So uh, the the cynic in me, I think, is getting the year off. No, cynical. Why you? By the way, I want to just be on the record. What did you think of Dustin Hopkins when the Browns brought him in at the beginning of the season? uh, My number one concern had nothing
0: to do with kicks inside of 49 yards. My concern was plus 50, where he was for his career 50%. And my whole take on the situation was, as you're trying to, you know, Get one on me here, which yes. I'm not going to let you get. Of course,
1: I'm getting one. No, on you. because Dude, I, you were like, "Who is this guy? Why are they bringing him in? I don't <laughs> think he can do it. I don't think if they got to go on the other side of the 45, they don't have a chance. In the meantime, he's probably one of the best additions that Andrew Berry's. He is, and uh, you know, look, his career numbers
0: told you know told the story. Though he has come here though and been absolutely magnificent. Um, he's missed a handful of kicks, uh, and by handful, I mean barely. One. A handful, one extra point, uh, wow. an, an extra point. I think uh, two or three field goals, but one? but he's seven for seven from beyond 50.
1: Oh, huh, about that. Yeah. Well, you know, look into that little camera right there and say, I was r- r- r-
0: wrong. Go, go. Let's see him make a 50 yarder into the dog pound in December. I'm kidding. I hear you. I hear yeah. you. But no, I look and I'm then impressed. also say
1: you were a little bummed out earlier this week that you thought this game was gonna be although this game was tough, it was I, a three-point game. But here's I, the mean, thing. You were...
0: I, I I was I, I was hedging the bet. I wasn't sure what to expect. I did pick the Browns to win 16-15. Oh, I did, yeah, yes, oh, huh? So, I, so another what? One. I had another one. I'm now six and four on the season picking Browns games. How are they getting
1: to 15? What'd you have at
0: 16-15? 16-15. Well, just because I figured they're playing the Steelers, the Steelers are terrible. Something really stupid is going to happen in the game because something really stupid always happens in Brown Steelers games, that's right? That's true. So, I was my like, entire life, yeah, I was like, you know, okay, 16 15, but the Browns have the 16, and that's all they need is one more than they do. So, and, and then like midway through the fourth quarter, I'm watching both of these offenses, and I'm like, I hate to say
1: this, but this game almost deserves overtime. It's that bad. <laughs> well, but the thing about it was, it was almost like you want to talk about hedging your bets, Kevin Safansky decided. All right, I'm opening up the playbook. I got a chance here with about a minute plus. And... How about both of these coaches going for it
0: inside their own 35s on fourth down? How about that? That told you right. what type of a day it was. Kevin did it, and then Mike Tomlin did it, and I, I you know, that that shocked me. Um, by the way, the the play call that Kevin had on that uh, the the the. Fa- Harrison Bryan faking the sneak, right. tossing it out to Cremont, who yep. basically walked around for four yards to, to get him uh, the, the first down. I thought that that was brilliant, you know, because the Steelers were anticipating the, the sneak because they had shown that a couple of times. But what's interesting is that play went for a touchdown earlier this year where they did the same exact thing. Harrison Bryant right. came up like he was going to sneak and he tossed it to Kareem and Kareem grabbed it and walked it in, you know, walked into the end zone. So uh, it's not like that that was a rabbit pulled out of the hat specific for he this had game.
1: confidence in the play. Yeah. It's
0: already on tape and now he's two for two calling that play.
1: So I also think the other thing was how diversified that final drive was. I mean, yeah. I just, I just looking at, Kareem jump. I'm just right. Elijah Moore, big catch. Kareem again. Cooper Ninjoku, and then Hopkins finishes. By the out.
0: way, how about David Ninjoku? Rough afternoon for him. He had four or five, but he still shit drops. Yeah. But including a potential touchdown. But when it mattered most on that final drive, he had a big catch, and that is the the mark of a, a professional who's able to compartmentalize and put what was a tough personal day for him behind him and make the big play when it was needed most and he did that so hats off to David Njoku for making a, a crucial play but again you know Marty Cooper Elijah Moore David Njoku Kareem Hunt on that final drive basically your playmakers right right your playmakers making the plays when it, when the game was on the line
1: all right so where do we go from here obviously Denver is next they're playing a little bit better than we thought they were in yeah, the beginning of the season yeah. some of these games that look pretty easy Houston Denver don't look so easy now when you look at the schedule. And Jacksonville's on yeah. the schedule
0: here, and they're going to be a real tough point. In fact, Jacksonville's going to be here in Cleveland. Yeah, we're
1: going to turn the cold up for that. Yeah. So. Um, or down.
0: Uh, yeah, I want to turn the heat down for that one. That's that, that will be the one game I will endorse playing in frigid conditions. Oh, yeah. Otherwise uh, – Yeah,
1: we don't need a dome for that game. Correct. Open the roof, Jimmy, for that
0: one. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, they, the Browns are set up in, in really good shape, and I think that it's incumbent upon – uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson and Kevin Stefanski to continue to work, you know, cause like you said earlier, a lot of safe plays, a lot of high percentage passes, but with this not, defense,
1: you can do that. There's right, no question,
0: you know, not forcing him to, to do have to do too much in situations. Right. Um, and then hopefully as he gets more comfortable in this offense and being out there, he's, he's going to be able to make those throws down the field and make those bigger plays. But right now, uh, again, I just, I feel like this was a stepping stone. That's kind of how I look at this game because sure. again, it wasn't a great performance by him, but it was effective. It was efficient. It was just enough to get the job done. And that's all you wanted to see today from him. So hats off to him.
1: All right. So again, we look at Dorian Thompson Robinson. We see how he grows. The defense were a little concerned about how banged up they are. I'm just trying to think of the headlines ahead during Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously we'll see what's going on with Anthony Walker and uh, Ronnie McLeod. Um, those those could potentially be two, you know, big losses if those guys are seriously hurt. Uh, again, McLeod's got the bicep and then you've got, uh, uh, you know, a hamstring injury there. Um, you know, Denzel, by the way, how about the shot Denzel Ward delivered on Najee Harris today when he lost his helmet? He hit him so hard that Denzel's helmet came off and he lost his mouthpiece. And the first thing I thought was, please don't have a concussion. (laughs) But I, I mean, that was that there were a couple of helmets that came off in this game, uh, on both sides. It was, it was a hard hitting physical game. And again, the Browns played for 60 minutes and they made the plays down the stretch. Steers had their shot. I mean, and like I said, I've watched a lot of their games this year. Like that was that was abnormal for them. You know, as far as okay, 10 points going in and going in late fourth quarter. That's normal for them. Right. But usually that final drive is when they do their work. That's they when they that's why they job. win games. And the the Browns defense was not allowing that in this building, not with this crowd as raucous as it was. So Browns come out seven and three, their best record since nineteen ninety-four. This is the first time in the expansion era the Cleveland Browns have seven wins through ten games.
1: We'll take it. He's Darrell Ryder for our producer Meredith Kane, who is always outstanding. Thanks for watching the post game edition of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. The Browns beat the Steelers. How sweet it is, thirteen to ten.